I can't hear you. I can hear you now. <laughs> How are you? I'm doing fantastic. It is really an honor to meet you. Likewise. Congrats to you. And I'm glad that you're well. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. That's so you're you're actually in your, your I'm in my your, ring right now. Yes. You're in I'm your like, ring, yeah. <laughs> I'm in my gym in my ring. Yes. <laughs> that is that is really cool. That is, that is really I love that. <laughs> No, I had a few clients and I'm like, okay, it's New York. Uh, I have clients. I'm in between clients. This is going to be as quiet as it gets uh, in the ring. So here we are. Successful people learn how to make their mind work for them. I'm David Nagel and this is the Successful Mind Podcast. Welcome to another episode of the Successful Mind Podcast. Today, I have the amazing Reese Scott with us, and I can tell you it is going to be one hell of a journey, folks. This is one amazing, astounding woman. Wait till you hear her story and what she's, uh, what she's done and what she's doing, uh, not only for the world of boxing, but for women all over New York City and, and around the world with the message that she's getting out. So, Reese, welcome. Welcome to the Successful Mind Podcast. Thank you for having me. Thank you. I, you know, I'd like to, I'd like to start with where does this all begin for you? Because I have, I've done my research on you. I've listened to amazing interviews uh, that you've done. And, it, you know, it seems like most of them start with you leaving corporate and kind of walking down the street. You're frustrated. You're not having a good day, you know, and you pass this, you pass this gym. But when, whenever I hear it, I think to myself, something must have started this before that, right? You, I mean, it wasn't just one day you woke up that you were unhappy in corporate. What, what was your life like growing up? Uh, growing up, it was uh, a struggle because uh, one, I do suffer from middle child syndrome. It's a real thing. Okay. <laughs> so it was always kind of a fight to be seen and to be heard. And um, it was, uh, I grew up in a very uh, conservative home. My parents are very conservative, very religious, and very um, structured. Okay. Background I had, and I was always, according to, you know, my parents back in the day, with my head in the clouds, I was an artist. So painting and drawing and photography, that was my escape um, from just being in such a confined middle child box, if you will. So uh, for me, it was a very... Um, quiet uh, childhood in a sense because I I suppress so much of my feelings and my thoughts and you know my wants and my needs because again from what I could see my position in the family I was not going to be seen or heard you know so and and again growing up I carry that with me until I acquire the pro proper tools to identify it and to you know make some adjustments was it difficult? So you grew up in a suburb of New Jersey, is that yes, correct? Yes. Yeah. Was was that difficult at all? Of course it was difficult. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it's very difficult because one, there weren't too many people who looked like me. You know, I I grew up in a predominantly, you know, white town. And uh, we were actually sent off to, you know, a private school. So it was a lot of, you know, unsettling, 
You yeah. know, you know what I mean? It was like, okay, we live here in this town where we really don't have a lot of friends because not too many people they're you know, they're welcome. They're welcoming of us here. And, you know, we don't, we don't really socialize and they don't socialize with us, but we're going to bust you off to the school because it's like a much better school, but don't really have any attachments there because you're going to be constantly moving. You know gotcha. what I mean? Yeah. yeah I do. It's very much like that. Yeah. Okay. So then you, 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 you start to move on with your life. Did you go to college? I went to art school. I went to, went to art school. I went to uh, French art school, Duquesne School of Art and Design. Yeah, after I graduated from high school. Yeah. Gotcha. My uh, the CEO of my company, her daughter goes to SCAD currently. She's she, she's brilliant. So I'm a little fam- I'm a little familiar uh, with with the art world and and how people think. But then you come out, and what do you do? What to, first of all, did you have like a vision for your life at all when you came out? I of did. School? I did have. A, I actually did have a vision for my life, and it was. I knew I wanted to grow up and work in publishing. I knew I wanted to work in photography. I knew that I wanted to work at a fancy design firm in Soho. Like I had a list of all the things that, you know, I wanted to do and I, and I saw my life, you know, becoming, and uh, they actually became that. Like I did all those things. <laughs> so, all right. So like from the outset, if you were, if, if, if nobody knew you and they were just hearing this story up to this point, they're like, okay, sounds pretty good so far, but it didn't turn out that way. What happened? Actually, it, it did turn out that way. It did. I, everything I said I wanted to do, I did, which is the fascinating part. Um, but you weren't happy. But, but you weren't happy, right? Exactly. Like, that's I, the part. I, I, that's the part. It's like when I, I did all the things. I had my, my list, my life to-do list, so I thought. And I, I accomplished all those things. I had a 19-year career in publishing. And I used to love publishing. I love print. I love photography. And it became something that I no longer love. Then it no longer made me happy. And it was no longer a form of, a form of expression because my, cre- my creativity was being suppressed in the office. So there was no joy there anymore. You know? So then that was the challenging part because that's when I started searching. When I felt like, okay, I'm really miserable. Like going to the office, whenever the elevator doors would open, yeah. I would, David, I would feel this tightness in my stomach because I knew like the, just the toxic, the toxic, you know, just challenges throughout the day that were facing me on the other side of the door. I already knew what I was going to face for the day. And it was just exhausting just taking those steps from the elevator to the front door leading to my office. And I was like, this is no longer my dream. And I have to, I have to find something that makes me feel interested, that makes me feel excited, that makes me feel alive, that makes me feel something. And that's when I started searching because I realized I had gotten very depressed. I had, I had gotten very heavy and it was, you know, that mindset, well, you know, my parents, by, by this age, you should have this, you should have accomplished this, you should have acquired this. And I did all those things. And I found myself in a very dark place. And I'm like, well, where is this chapter like? Because nobody told me. Yeah. You, know, you know what I mean? It's like, well, what happens when you do all those things? Yeah. And then it became for me uh, the pursuit to find myself. And then it was like, you know, the different levels. Once I found myself, then it was like, okay, I think I found my joy. Then it was once I found my joy, now I have to find my purpose because this career in publishing is not, not going to cut it. It's not doing you know? it. Yes. When you originally started looking, though, when you realized, like, okay, something's off here, I need to find another dream. Were you were you continuing to look 
down the same type of expertise that you had, the things that had interested you in your past? Or did you know that you were done with that on some level? I knew I was, I knew I was done because one, I saw where the industry was headed. I worked in print. Oh. It, exactly. And I saw that things were turning digital. I saw that the company was losing advertising dollars. And I, I saw the future of publishing. I saw the future of magazines. And I thought, okay, well, what else could I do? What else could I, you know, use my creativity and learn and grow and be happy? What else could I do? And I actually made a list of just where, where I was the happiest. What was I doing? What, who were the people around me? Like what type of company, you know, that was I holding at the time when I was so happy? Okay, where am I unhappy? Oh, I'm unhappy in this other office. I'm unhappy doing this. So for me, that's how I arrived in that place. And it was so surprising and ironic to me that it, everything went back to the boxing gym because those guys hated me. And I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, how can this place that makes me feel so uncomfortable, a place where, according to them, it, it's not for me. I don't belong there. Yeah. But yet... In a weird way, this is the only place that I'm happy because I'm feeling myself grow and I'm feeling myself being less critical of myself and actually kind of like applauding my accomplishments here in this in this space. And for me, that was major. It was really, really major. It, it was so major. And I and I actually was able to tie the two together. I've given a lot of interviews, David. And you're the first person ever asked me about my childhood. And I'm in, a, in, I'm in a stage, of a phase of space in my life right now where I'm connecting those dots. You know, yeah. things that I thought that I had, you know, acknowledged or accepted or, or dealt with, I'm still connecting those dots. And in talking with you, that environment at the gym where it was home because I made it home, yeah. but it was very uncomfortable. I wasn't welcome. My space wasn't there. I wasn't respected. I wasn't hurt. It was very similar to how I grew up in my house. That's what I was wondering. Like, was there something, because here's the thing, and I would really like you to spend just a couple of minutes telling everybody about the day when you walked into the gym. Um, but to go from what you were doing to be attracted to this gym, there had to be something in there that was like, it resonated with you on some level. Could you talk about that, that day? Absolutely. Uh, that day I was, I was so angry. I was very, very um, angry at just, everything, everybody, my career, just where I was myself. I was 220 pounds and it was that, you know, I let myself go and all of that, I was so angry. And uh, I knew that I needed some place to express that. I needed some place to release it. Okay. And when I, and I was just walking around when I walked in, it was the sound. The sound what drew me is what drew me in. The, the punching of the bag. Yeah. That's the language that we speak. You know what I mean? Right, right. Um, I, I was drawn to it. Like even in my angry, like depressed and frustrated state, uh, and I followed that sound up those stairs. And when I walked in, that's when I was overwhelmed by this feeling of just eyes and uh, on me, and I could feel almost like an invisible wall, like pressing me out. Like just get out, you don't belong here. It's all guys, right? It's like it's it's all, it's all dudes in there. Okay. It's going on, what, 18 years? I've been boxing. There were no women back then. There were maybe yeah. a couple women that went to the gym, but it was all guys. And I just violated their sacred space, being <laughs> a woman walking into this space, you know? And I froze. I was terrified. I was terrified. And uh, 
I, a voice called out to me and said, you're fat and you're here, so you may as well sign up. Like and a real person that, said this to you? Yeah, that was the manager of the gym at the time. So, uh, yeah, a real person said that to me. That was my intro to boxing, David. And, <laughs> well, uh, welcome, my darling. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It was none of that. It was like, okay, you need to get your shit together. Like, yeah. you're here, you're fat, this is what it is. Uh, so once I, you know, I got out of my feelings about that, I said, uh, you know what, uh, that voice is right. And uh, I said that I would give it 30 days and see if I felt anything, see if I felt less angry, see if I felt interested in something, see if I felt better, you know. So when I yeah. started, I, I liked the fact that I wasn't seen. Like, yeah, they, they, they knew I was there because I made them uncomfortable. Me being a woman in the gym, I made them uncomfortable. But they weren't watching me. You know what I mean? So I right. could blend in. And um, I could really focus on me and how I arrived where I was and what I wanted to do about it and where I wanted to go from there. I was searching. I was on a serious search for myself and just for whatever was next for me. And I was open. I was open to anything, anything that made me feel alive and helped me find my purpose. So did that, did that feeling come right away? Because it took a while. Oh, or did they, did, did they yeah. ever accept you? Did they ever accept you? Like you were there for a long time. I was there for a long time. The first gym, I trained out of there for six years. Uh, there, there are still some, some guys that I see that to this day, my own gym, and a couple of them walked in here, they still act like they don't, oh, this is, this is your place? Turn around, walk back out. Like, yes, you knew it was my place. You just wanted to come see for yourself. Uh -huh. yeah. You know what I mean? There will yeah. always be those people. But it took a long time because, one, they really had to, I had to, according to them, I had to earn my space in the gym. Okay. I had to deal with all of their, uh, I, don't, I, don't even, I don't even know what to call it, all of their uh, trials to get me to leave. You know what I mean? And I kept coming back, you know, between the names that they would call me, between the things that they would do, they taught me how to claim my space, David. They taught me how to do that because every time I would work on a bag, all of a sudden here comes some guy and he needs that bag. It could be six empty bags in the gym, but the bag that I'm working on, oh, well, that's the bag that he needs. And after a while, you know, I got tired of it. You know, I said, after a while, this doesn't make any sense. Yeah. Nobody explained the rules to me. In the beginning, I, beginning, I thought, okay, I'm a woman. I walk into this gym. I guess I have to do what everybody tells me because it's their space. And after a while, a few months, I'm like, no, actually, I don't have to listen to them. And actually, I need this bag. And actually, you're going to have to learn how to wait, or you're going to go use something else, but you're definitely going to get out of my face. So that like took time to get comfortable speaking up for myself. You and found your voice. It caused you to find your voice then. It caused me to find my voice. I had no choice but to. It what was, was it like the first time you stood up to one of these guys? Uh, it was, <laughs> it was, uh, it was the most terrifying joy I've ever experienced in my life. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> because again, I wasn't used to communicating as a child. I wasn't yeah. used to communicating, you know? So it's like, we're always, you know, what well, I was, I'll speak, you know, personally, I, I was always used to internalizing and keeping all those things to myself. So, and, and keeping that rage inside. And I was like, wait, this is how I arrived here. Like, I, I have to let this go. And in letting this go, I have to communicate how I feel about this. And I have to communicate what I'm going to allow and what I'm not. So the first time, this is one trainer had it in for me. Every single time, didn't matter what I was doing. My fighter needs this. 
my fire needs that, but I'm working it. I don't care. My fire needs it. Okay. <laughs> so the first time this guy come, and I was in my zone, I was feeling good. Like it was the first time in a long time. I'll never forget that day because I remember it was the first time in a long time that I felt joy and I felt strong and I felt tall. And I'm only five, four days. And on that day I felt five, nine, you feel me? And I felt so good. And I'm just, you know, one of my favorite things in a gym is a speed bag. And I was yeah. working with a speed bag. And it was it's a form of meditation for me. It calms my spirit, the rhythm. Okay. Yeah. And I'm in the zone and here he comes. And I and I didn't stop. And he's like, my father is that bag. Did you hear what I said? My fighter needs the bag. And I stopped. And when I stopped, I just kind of paused and I took a breath and I looked over at him. And he kind of, he kind of did, he, he did the faint. He kind of fainted back. And I said, you and your fighter, you can go use another bag. Then he's like, well, how long are you going to be? as long as I want. <laughs> and then he walked away. Brilliant. And I was like, he walked away inside. I was like, Oh my God. <laughs> so this metaphorically, is you taking your power back from your family. Exactly. Like in so many ways and just not even just like from my family, but for myself. Yes. Yes. And yes. also teaching other people what I will allow and what I want and what I won't. You know, which that was, uh, that was key for me. Like that day I began to put all the pieces together and, you know, for me, I was like, okay, it's my responsibility to stand up for myself. Yeah. It's my responsibility to let people know, no, actually my needs are just as important as yours. And I don't need to step aside and I'm not in your way. You're actually in mine, you know? So over time that was me, you know, healing and discovering and, sure growing and learning. And once I started to learn, I had this incredible desire to teach because again, there were no women in the gym and I felt so strong in my spirit, you know, and I felt this feeling I didn't have before boxing. So I knew there has to be something that I can do to help other women and to help other girls experience this for themselves. Like there has to be. Yeah. And, uh, that's when, I said, okay, I have to learn, I have to learn, I have to learn everything. And uh, I started by then because the guys there said, okay, well, you know, we saw her stand up to this guy, this guy, and she keeps coming back and she's actually kind of nice with her hands. And yeah, she's kind of nice with her feet. I noticed she lost some weight and she trains harder than most of the guys here. Okay. She's kind of cool. Maybe with a, maybe we'll give her a fist bump next time. Uh -huh. You know what I mean? So you're passing the test now. You're so part I of the test. Exactly. And then once I passed the test as, you know, a woman coming into the gym, who wanted to train, who's a boxer, who now I'm sparring, I'm sparring with the guys because there were no women. So I had to spar with the men. Some of them, they sparred in a way where they, they didn't want me to come back. And I kept coming back anyway, you know, because I wasn't there for them. I was there for me. So once I arrived at a place where I wanted to teach, I knew that in order for me to promise someone that, they're going to be safe with me. Yeah. I have to make sure that the space is safe. You know what I mean? So I that was a whole other process. Um, talking with the gym owner, carving out a space, setting the rules 
get, just writing everything down. This is what I will not allow from you or any of the men who are training here. This is what we're doing. This, I will lead. And I will take these people with me. You know what I mean? Just really, I guess the business side of it. Yeah. Because at that point, I have to structure this in a way so that when I tell someone, yes, come train with me, I will teach you, I will protect you, I will keep you safe and teach you how to fight for yourself. I need to make sure in my heart of hearts that I can do that. And I did that, you know? Um, so that was like- it, let, me, well, let me just interrupt for one second, but pardon me. Is anybody helping you come to these conclusions? Or are you doing this all on your own? I do everything on my own, baby. <laughs> Do you know, but seriously though, I just want to say like, congratulations to you. First of all, I've been in the business of helping people do stuff like this for, for 22 years this year. And I will tell you that it's extraordinary to find somebody to come to those conclusions without the help of somebody else. So that is extreme dedication. Like kudos to you for that. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate that. I appreciate that. No, I've always been guided with, uh, by what feels right for me. You know, it doesn't feel right for me to learn as much as I've learned and not share that. It doesn't feel right for me when I walk past women in the street and I see how sad they are and I can feel their sadness and I feel it because I've been there. It doesn't feel right for me to act like, oh, I don't see them. I know yeah. how it feels to not be seen and not be heard. I know how it feels to feel like you don't have anything to fight with. Right. You know? yeah. Right. Yeah. So I, for me, you know, once I, once I know, I'm like, oh, yeah, and I see it. Okay, yeah, that that's it. I don't know how I'm going to do it. I never know how I'm going to do anything. <laughs> People say, oh, how are you going to open up the only women's boxing gym in New York City? It's never been done. I have no idea, but I know I'm going to do it. Because I know that even now, 16, 17 years later, there's still a need for it. So that's, I'm going to, I'll figure it out along the way, you know? What is your, what is your family or friends thinking along this journey? They see this transformation happening. You're, I mean, 19 years you're doing this. It looks like you'll probably be a lifer like most of the world. You're going to do something completely different. A woman boxing her own gym. What? Like, what are they What are they saying to you? What's the feedback you're getting? Oh, they thought I was crazy. <laughs> <laughs> they, I mean, my parents are like, have you lost your mind? You work so hard. You make so much money. You're doing so well. You have this. And I say, yeah, but you know what? I'm not happy. This makes me happy. You know, I, I believe that, you know, all, all good things will will come from doing things with good intentions and, yeah. and doing it from a happy place. Those things don't make me happy. So once I started training, once I started losing the weight, some people thought that I was sick. Some people were like, hey, what are you doing? Because I had lost so much weight and I was sure. just training. I switched up my diet. I stopped eating meat. I stopped eating whole pizzas. I would just have one slice of pizza. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, I made a lot of changes. I started eating at different times. And uh, I started rewarding myself with more rounds as opposed, as opposed to more slices. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. So that was my thing. I was, I was a comfort eater. So for me, I had to reframe my thinking to find comfort in something else. And that was boxing. T totally different value system. You changed your values completely. 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 But yeah, most people... Um, I mean, the majority, they're like, okay, well, we know that she's determined and anything she says she's going to do, she's going to figure it out somehow. So they were all just kind of sitting by, like, snapping just <laughs> for, like, 10 years or so, just watching, you know. Oh, that's great. I see your progress. Oh, that's great. I see your building. Oh, wow, you actually were able to leave your career. That's major to go all in and just leave that security. Like, you're nuts, but, hey, we wish you well. We're going to stick around and see how this turns out for you. 
so a lot of people, they were, they were kind of just waiting to see. They, they tell me today, they're like, oh, well, no, I knew you could do it. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I've heard that before, yeah, too. Exactly. <laughs> what was it like? What was it like to, 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 did you have any funding when you started? Did you bootstrap the business? How did you do it? I had fundraise, asked for money. I did everything that now that I discovered I should not have done. Cash out my 401k. Like I did all of those things. I borrowed for everybody. We just met. I probably owe you money. Like that's, <laughs> that's crazy. Yeah. So it's been, and that's the thing, you know, uh, pre-COVID things were going very well. Like business was picking up. And I'm like, wow, this is amazing. I'm actually going to be in a position where I can actually start paying people back. Like that's, for me, that's when I feel like, okay, yeah. Like now I feel I'm, I'm kind of making it when I can pay people back. Because people yeah. say, oh, you know, you made it, you made it. I'm like, no, I haven't. Like you have no idea what it is to have a brick and mortar. And, to, and I built this gym out. There was no plumbing. There was no electrical. There was no HVAC. There was nothing. Wow. So, exactly. So people, don't, they don't understand. They see the finished product and they think, oh, boom, you made it. It's like, no, you have no idea. Like, no idea. I have to make it every month, you know, and I'm just barely making it. And plus, I still have to pay people back. So pre-COVID, that was when I saw that light. I'm like, OK, I, I, I'm getting there because I'm going to be able to do this. And this feels good. And uh, then and, when, you're, and the other thing is, is that is that you're not just training people. You're cleaning the floors. You're cleaning the showers. You're cleaning the toilets. Like you're doing it all. I mean, that's when somebody starts. That's what they have to do. People think, oh, you're a business owner. You're wealthy. You've got it made. It's like, oh, you you should come inside and check this out for a while because it'll it'll put hair on you. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and it makes me laugh when people come here and they're like, oh my goodness, you're here. And I'm like, well, where else would I be? Oh, well, I just figured you had people doing things for you. I'm like, no, I am my own go-to person. Like we, I am that person. Like yeah. I had to learn how to design my own website. I had to figure out how to rework everything once COVID, do the scheduling. I do, I'm my own publicist. It's like, I, you know, I clean all the toilets. I scrub the floors. So in a way I have it structured now, I have to section off the appointments so that I have time to clean in, be in between all the clients. So it's a, yeah, it's a, it's a lot. I'm a one woman operation. And how are you doing with COVID? Like, how's the, how's the gym going right now? Is it, are you having a hard time or is it good? It's, it's really slow. I'm having a hard time, but my landlords are working with me. Uh, they're very supportive. Um, they, I mean, we're such a part of the community. So uh, they are, they're behind me and they're working with me. Um, and I'm just, yeah, just one, one round at a time, David. One round. At a time. I mean, you're in Manhattan. Yeah. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah, so it's not cheap. <laughs> Rent's not cheap. Exactly. Exactly. So it's been really, really slow, and I have to do everything by appointments. It's pretty much just one-on-one. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, Saturday is my busiest day. If I have 10 people on a Saturday, that's a lot. Um, Pre-COVID, I would have about 50 people on a Saturday. So it's... Um, yeah, it's a, it's a challenge, but I have accepted the challenge as an opportunity to, to be more creative and, and learn, you know, how to do things differently. So what's next? What's on the horizon for you? Where are you <laughs> going? Not, I, I agreed to start writing a book this year. I was so. just going to ask you if you've written a book yet. <laughs> yeah, I, you know, it's one of those things that's kind of been in my head for a few years and I've been kind of bobbing and weaving the idea, just not wanting to commit to it. But uh, something very strong in my spirit said that this is the time that I need to sit down and, and, uh, and do this and share. So I'm working on a book. Yeah. In addition to, you know, maintaining this place and 
hopefully getting my programs back. I have a group of uh, Parkinson's patients that train here. I just partnered with the 23rd Precinct, um, working with uh, some young boys, young girls after school. Oh, that's great. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I have a, so I have some things going on here as well that I'm really, really looking forward to. But for me personally, uh, the, the book is going to be, it's going to be a combination of my childhood, how I arrived here, and uh, actually, yeah, what I'm doing here as, you know, this female boxing coach in East Harlem. Well, listen, when you get that book written, when you get that book published, I'd love to have you back on. Hopefully COVID's over. We could bring you down to our studio in Charlotte. We could do a live long form. It would be, I think it would be fantastic. And I'd love to help you get your book out. I appreciate you. Thank you. You're very welcome. You're very welcome. If you, I have something I ask most of my guests, if you could leave everybody a successful mind tip, what could you leave them as some value that would make, make a difference if they used it? Well, wow, that's a good question. Um, what I would say, especially to, um, to women, yeah, my, my, my words of value to women is uh, I would say to be less concerned about how someone feels about what you just said or what you've done and be more concerned with you making yourself clear because we are so concerned about how someone else feels about our actions and things that we say, Oh, I don't want to make that person feel bad. Or I don't want to, that's our first thought. We're programmed that way. Yeah. So I encourage your listeners to, to open up to the idea of reframing that. And instead of, worrying about, oh, well, how, how, how would this person feel when I say this? I would focus more on am I making myself clear, which is very important. I agree. I love that. I think that's fantastic advice. Fantastic advice. If people want to learn more about you, where could they go? I would say our website, www.box.nyc, our Instagram at www.box.nyc if they want to see the training. And personally, at Reese Lynn Scott, if they want to see a little bit of uh, my my personal life, I love that. I love that. They're definitely going to check it out. Everybody's got to <laughs> everybody's got to check out what she's doing. Uh, and if you, the other thing that I would mention is that in in doing my research, I did a lot of YouTube searches on you, and I, I watched the other interviews. I watched you in your gym. I watched you working with people, which I think you're just absolutely brilliant. Um, I would I would encourage people to definitely go check that out. I mean, you're a force to be reckoned with, and I think that uh, I think I think that you're going to be really surprised at where your life goes from here because I think it's going to be amazing. I really think you're going to have such a huge impact on women in society with what you're doing that that ten years from now you're going to look back and you'd be like, holy shit, this is what led to <laughs> this is what led to this because I think and it's a voice that so needs to be heard. Like the world is so desperate for what you have to say and what you have to teach. So congratulations. Thank you, David. Thank you. I appreciate you sharing me with your platform. Thank you so much. Absolutely. Anytime. It was an honor to, to interview you. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Successful Mind Podcast. And if you like what you heard and you want to know more, go to davidnagel.com forward slash free stuff.